dangerous, especially as we were compassed round by a very thick fog. We accordingly lay to, hoping that some change would take place in the atmosphere and weather. About two o'clock the mist cleared away, and we beheld, stretched out in every direction, vast and irregular plains of ice, when a strange sight suddenly attracted our attention. We perceived a low carriage, fixed on a sledge and drawn by dogs, pass on towards the north, a being which had the shape of a man, but apparently of gigantic stature, sat in the sledge and guided the dogs. We watched the rapid progress of the traveller with our telescopes until he was lost among the distant inequalities of the ice. Shut in, however, by ice, it was impossible to follow his track. About two hours after this occurrence, the ice broke and freed our ship. We, however, lay to until the morning, fearing to encounter in the dark those large, loose masses which float about after the breaking up of the ice. In the morning, however, as soon as it was light, I went upon deck and found all the sailors busy on one side of the vessel, apparently talking to someone in the sea. It was, in fact, a sledge, like that we had seen before, which had drifted towards us in the night on a large fragment of ice. Only one dog remained alive, but there was a human being within it whom the sailors were persuading to enter the vessel. When I appeared on deck, the master said, Here is our captain, and he will not allow you to perish on the open sea. On perceiving me, the stranger addressed me in English, although with a foreign accent. Before I come on board your vessel, said he, Will you have the kindness to inform me whither you are bound? You may conceive my astonishment on hearing such a question addressed to me from a man on the brink of destruction. I replied, however, that we were on a voyage of discovery towards the northern pole. Upon hearing this he appeared satisfied and consented to come on board. Good God, Margaret, his limbs were nearly frozen and his body dreadfully emaciated by fatigue and suffering. We attempted to carry him into the cabin, but as soon as he had quitted the fresh air, he fainted. As soon as he showed signs of life, we wrapped him up in blankets and placed him near the chimney of the kitchen stove. By slow degrees, he recovered and ate a little soup, which restored him wonderfully. Two days passed in this manner before he was able to speak. I removed him to my own cabin and attended on him as much as my duty would permit. When my guest was a little recovered, the lieutenant asked why he had come so far upon the ice in so strange a vehicle. His countenance instantly assumed an aspect of the deepest gloom, and he replied, To seek one who fled from me. And did the man whom you pursued travel in the same fashion? Yes. Then I fancy we have seen him. 
for the day before we picked you up, we saw some dogs drawing a sledge with a man in it across the ice. From this time, a new spirit of life animated the stranger. He manifested the greatest eagerness to be upon deck, to watch for the sledge which had before appeared, but I have persuaded him to remain in the cabin. I have promised that someone should watch for him and give him instant notice if any new object should appear in sight. I shall continue my journal concerning the stranger at intervals, should I have any fresh incidents to record. August 13th. My guest is now much recovered from his illness, and is continually on the deck, apparently watching for the sledge that preceded his own. Yesterday the stranger said to me, you may easily perceive, Captain Walton, that I have suffered great and unparalleled...